If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Steelers Preview Show on WDVE Pittsburgh, presented by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Here are your hosts, Mike Brzezuda, Matt Williamson, and Merrill Hodge. Good evening and welcome to a special Wednesday night edition of Steelers Preview as we get you ready for the Steelers at the Cleveland Browns tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you tonight until 8 o'clock. The third member of our team, Merrill Hodge, is not going to be joining us tonight. Merrill is hunting with Ben Roethlisberger in <laughs> uh, some remote location uh, that does not include access to Wi-Fi. And uh, Merrill sent along his uh, regrets before uh, he ventured off for that uh, excitement. But, Matt, uh, I think you and I can get it done. Uh, I stress I think because uh, we heard something from Mitch Trubisky this week that still has me scratching my head. I'm not sure I've heard <laughs> anything quite like it uh, in any NFL locker room ever. And I've been going into NFL ro- locker rooms since uh, the very end of the 1986 season. But uh, before we get to that, I just want to remind everybody, it is a Thursday night game tomorrow. And that means uh, the game will be streamed live on Amazon Prime Video. Of course, uh, it'll be broadcast over the air in the Pittsburgh market on WPXI. Fans can visit Amazon.com slash TNF for info on how they can watch across their devices on Amazon Prime anywhere in the country. Matt, I remember when my device was a television and I turned it on and there was the game. But I guess I guess we've evolved. Change, yeah. All right, back to the uh, lead, which uh, I didn't mean to bury uh, coming in. Uh, Mitch Trubisky uh, did his uh, media briefing on Tuesday, uh, still pretty fresh from that loss to New England. And, uh, Matt, I don't know about you. I thought they passed up a lot of uh, single coverage opportunities down the field. Mike Tomlin thought that. Matt Canada thought that. The receivers think that. Even Mitch Trubisky thinks that. He was asked on Tuesday why he hasn't been throwing the ball down the field. Here was the response. Quote, why I haven't given the certain looks, especially early in the game, I can't tell you exactly why. Hmm. I mean, he didn't even make an excuse. <laughs> I, I give the guy full marks for honesty and, and, and yeah, full I disclosure. I, I don't know. Right. I, I, that, that baffles me. If, I mean, he should know, right? If, if he doesn't, who does? Yeah. That's not what you want to hear. It doesn't exactly inspire confidence. Um, you know, watching that game live and then going back and watching the, the all 22, especially early in the game, the Patriots had a lot of single high safety kind of begging the Steelers to, to take shots. 
I know there's people out there saying, well, the protection's not good enough to go downfield. I'll dispute that till no end. I think the, the protection's been quite good. The run blocking needs some work, but the protection's been good. You've got a great set of receivers. There was open receivers far too often, and I'm not even talking about chucking up 50-yard bomb go routes. I mean, just 18 yards down the field. I mean, he had five throws between the numbers, too. I mean, let the ball go in the congested areas, intermediate, deep. I mean, we don't need go balls and 60-yarders left and right, but you got to attack more field. We, we saw the results of not doing that last year. You become very easy to play against. And, you know, Mike, a week ago, well, a week ago Thursday, you and I were having this conversation a little bit after the Bengals game going, well, you know, they had an early lead. Did the coaches tell yeah. him, reel it in, just don't turn it over. We got the Bengals on the ropes. They're rusty. You know, let's just not screw this thing up. And I'm not defending Mitch, but I've been in those buildings. And the thing none of us know along those lines is what are the coaches telling him to do? If they're just telling him to play it close to the vest and, you know, dump it down and throw it away if it's not there, one read, then he's doing his job. Uh, I hope that changes if it's the case, but I worry, is it just not in his DNA to be aggressive and be the guy you need him to be? Uh, you know, I'll I'll give some full disclosure since Mitch did the other day. I didn't go back and study his entire Bears career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what his I know what his record was as a starter. Uh, I know what his numbers are. Right. I know he took two teams to the playoffs. But I also know that uh, after the preseason finale against the Lions, we saw some of that ghost stuff down the sideline in the preseason. We saw Fryermuth down the seam in the preseason, which we also saw in the Cincinnati game. By the way, mm-hmm. now they did it under the guise of we have a free play but they took a shot there. Uh, Here's what uh, Trubisky had to say about one-on-one after the preseason finale against Detroit. Quote, we're going to be aggressive. We like our playmakers inside and out. So when we get matched up one-on-ones, we like to take advantage of those. We're going to keep looking for those mismatches and attacking downfield and hopefully create lighter run boxes for Najee back there to be a balanced offense. It all sounded so good in theory at the end of August. What happened? Where did it go? Well, I think him and the coaching staff are the only ones that can truly answer that, except I'm not sure he can answer that because you asked him and he said, I don't know. (laughs) And I tend to believe him, and that's odd. Um, I know that some Bears fans are telling you, or telling, you know, saying this is what we saw in Chicago, you know, situationally isn't his strength. You know, I mean, he leaves plays on the field. Um, Merrill has mentioned that the last two weeks as well when we bring up Trubisky of what he was. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what he is. Um, you and I saw you know, all the training camp practices. They absolutely were not conservative in, in those practices, driving the ball down the middle of the field. Um, you know, even Claypool in the middle of the field, Fryermuth, you know, all those guys. They have such good weapons. There's one-on-one matchups every play. I mean, uh, it boggles my mind that Pickens hasn't had more balls thrown his way because he's getting one-on-one and winning. Um, Deontay seems to win on every snap. I mean, he's playing better than he ever has. Yeah, and, and if he doesn't, right. throw, throw him a ball he can't catch. Right. Uh, you, you're going to have to try to do that. Yeah. I mean, there were too many throwaways. Um, it worries me a little what pro- what Trubisky is as a progression reader. I mean, it, it's starting to feel like – one read, one read, not there, not real sure what to do. And he's not even tucking and running, though. You know, like, 
at least use your legs if you're not seeing the field well. That yeah, and that's a, a real significant point, which I'm I'm glad you got there. Um, here's what we've seen so far. Now you mentioned mm-hmm. what we saw in practice in the preseason games. In the Bengals game, he had Pickens one on one down the sideline, and he said it was uh, cover zero, and I just wanted to get rid of it. I threw it out of bounds. Well, it, why would okay. you not? Why would you not give your guy a chance to make a play there? Why would you tell the defense, okay, if it's cover zero, we're giving up? And, and throwing it into the third row. Then they came up again. Especially Pickens. I mean, how many times have we seen yeah. him in one-on-one? I mean, he excels in that situation. And the third and eight, uh, the second-to-last possession against New England, second-to-last third down of the game, again, he gets cover zero. And uh, Trubisky said we really didn't have a good option for that, and Mike Tomlin backed him up on that. He said that based on the play design, uh, they kind of got schemed on that one. Instead of just dumping it to Najee Harris, when Matthew Judon breaks free and starts applying pressure, why not elude him and get out on the wing and see if you can run for it? And if mm-hmm. you can't run for it, see if the defense breaks down and you can hit somebody in a scramble situation. Because you know if you dump it down to Najee Harris, it ain't going to work. He's not going to get eight yards on a sideways pass. Didn't they see that enough last season? Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I mean – what he did, you know, isn't the answer. So anything but that is fine. The scramble or try to extend the play, uh, turn it into a broken play, maybe four, five, six seconds into the into the plays, people break open. Um, use your athleticism. You know, be a playmaker, be a football player. I'm sure there's some people listening, though, that heard the par- first part of that quote saying, what do you mean he didn't have an answer for it? Folks, that, that's okay. I mean, sometimes the defense puts the right play call in and the defensive coordinator smiles and says, I nailed him. You know, I mean, so th- that's not, you know, don't go kill Matt Canada for that. But, I mean, sometimes the, the defense calls the right play too. But that doesn't mean the play's over. Yeah. You, you know, one of the things that I thought uh, was attractive about Trubisky's game was that athleticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it in the he- Jacksonville game. It's a tremendous escapability back there. Uh, he seems determined to just get it out. And, I, you know, you've probably got a better feel for the protection than I do. I, I think it hasn't been awful. No. I do think the ball has been coming out really quick, and that's why there haven't been a lot of pressures. I think that's been by design. But the occasional guy breaking through, as long as the thing doesn't collapse, a quarterback with any kind of mobility with some wheels should have options in those situations. Yeah, I mean, I actually wrote an article yesterday about this O-line as a whole is taking baby steps forward. Each time I watch them, they're a little better. I'm not saying they're great, but I basically said they went from garbage to below average. And the the run blocking is still... What's a parade? <laughs> woohoo, you know. <laughs> but if you keep taking baby steps forward, maybe average is on the horizon. Who knows? I mean, they're not super talented. They're never going to be great. Um, but I think the protection is at least average. The run blocking is not, but it's getting better. I can't blame the protection for this. I mean... Um, if sometimes you just have to be a playmaker and it worries me that he's being a little robotic or one read oriented and that's not okay with me. What to expect is brought to you by Brian Patton and associates. It's all about the benefits. I'm going to pull Mitch Trubisky here, Matt. I have no idea what to expect Thursday because I don't know how they're going to approach it. I think if they play the offensive game that they have played to this point, it's going to look like it has, and it's not going to be good enough. Uh, if they are making strides, and if, as Matt Canada says, they are two or three plays, a uh, hundred or so points 
or 100 or so yards, excuse me, and 7 to 13 points away from being really good, well, that's pretty attainable. But uh, I'm not sure how they're going to approach it. I know this much. We'll we'll break down the Browns with a little bit greater detail Mm -hmm. later in the show. But Cleveland is coming off of two games where it has hemorrhaged long ball catch-and-run touchdowns that were basically unopposed at precisely the wrong time. Uh, They got away with it the first week at Carolina because of a 58-yard field goal at the gun, and it helped get them beat last week, or Sunday, I should say, last Sunday, when uh, the Browns had a 13-point lead with a minute 55 left in regulation. Oh, by the way, no uh, Jadavion Clowney this week, so half of Cleveland's edge tandem is not playing. If you don't attack these guys, I don't know who you're going to attack. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I... Garrett is a tremendous football player, but the rest of their D-line is very suspect. So double him on every pass protection rep and let the other guys do battle one-on-one, and I think you're okay. Uh, The secondary is a lot of talented players, but like you said, communication problems, missed coverages, things of that nature that maybe get corrected. Who knows? But you're on a short week, and it's certainly been problematic for Cleveland. Um, I hear you. I I mean – the, the vibe I get is they're going to plan to attack more downfield than they have. And I can't imagine why you wouldn't. Got to do that just to shut everybody up, don't they? I mean, at a minimum. So we can quit, quit talking about it, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not expecting the, the Chiefs offense. Okay. I want to be clear right, about right. that. But it's not going to look like Dan Fouts, you know, right. The, the part about backing them up to give Najee Harris a chance, I think, has some merit. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think asking Pickens and Claypool and Johnson to make plays for you has some merit uh, because, you know, they're, they're capable. Uh, and I don't even mind if it doesn't work. The, the last third down of the game, uh, the, the Steelers had a third and two, and they tried to hit Najee Harris on a wheel route, and Trubisky was out of the pocket a little bit, and he tried to lob it over a linebacker. But you had Najee Harris on Matthew Judon. Running, you're really good running back against their really good linebacker, but that's a matchup you should win. Trubisky said he underthrew it. Okay, say la vie. They punted the ball. Physical error. They were trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. No, that It's a big difference than just giving up to me. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, rarely am I going to be okay with giving up. I mean, uh, it's different if you're Brady, Manning, Breeze, you know, one of these pure pocket passers that picks you apart and, you know, wins on their mind. Well, Mitch isn't going to do that. I'm not saying he's dumb or anything like that, but he's, you know, he's a, a thoroughbred out there. He's not super experienced. You need to win with your brawn as much as your brains, and that means not necessarily throwing it away. And like you said, the, those receivers are really dynamic, and giving them one-on-one opportunities is, is a must. I mean, you have a gift there in terms of your pass catchers, including Fryermuth. And And I'm not picking on Ben or last year's offense. We know what that was. But what bothered me about last year's offense, well, so much, but one of the things in terms of throwing deep, I'm putting that in air quotes here, is it it felt like Ben knew that he was throwing it down the right sideline, usually to Claypool, before the ball was even snapped. I'm just going to chuck this thing up there and hope he makes a play. He rarely did. Now, I want to see, you know, you mentioned the linebacker level. I want to see crossing routes and dig routes behind the linebackers. I want to see tight ends stretching the seam. I want to see old school, a, you know, bend to AB out routes. Like, it amazes me how few standard 12 yard outs or 10 yard outs this team, you know, completes. And, and you know, uh, one of the other plays uh, when I talk about, uh, you know, lack of execution to me is not 
the end of the world. The interception Trubisky threw, he was trying to hit Johnson on a deep slant, and Mac Jones uh, made a diving tip, and it ended up getting intercepted. Mac Jones has never been a guy famous for making that kind of play. He's right, always right. been a great athlete who was uh, considered to have some uh, motor issues and uh, things of that nature. Hey, the guy beat you. He, he he got full extension. He made a play. That's okay. You live to fight again. But when you just throw it sideways or, or just dump it off uh, to nowhere, uh, you're defeating yourself, and they, they, they cannot do that. I uh, wanted to switch gears and talk about the defense a little bit before okay. we go to break because I thought the run defense was very credible in Cincinnati. It was excellent against Joe Mixon, a guy who really tortured them a year ago, and I thought that was a real step in the right direction. Then I thought it was good enough through most of the New England game right up to that last series when they got the ball shoved down their throat. Uh, how concerning is it? that they played their worst run defense when they needed to play their best, and now they have to go play Nick Chubb. I'm not super concerned about it, to be honest with you. I'm not saying the run defense is fixed or they're going to shut down Chubb. He's To me, he's the best ball carrier in the league. I actually wanted to talk to Merrill about that a little bit. I mean, and we'll get to the Browns next segment. But um, this isn't excusing things. I'm not trying to be a Steelers homer. It's just the end of games in the NFL anymore – Fourth quarter defense is kind of dead. I mean, it, people just figure you out, and especially early in the season against the run, defenses get worn out by the fourth quarter, and the Steelers haven't put people away with the run game, but teams are able to do it, and I'm not going to kill the Steelers for doing that after lining up for 100 snaps the week before and then late into this game on a hot day. I am sort of making excuses. I understand that, but you showed me eight good quarters of run defense and one bad one. I think I'm going to lean towards the first eight. No, that's that's an interesting take on it. Um, what did you think of the uh, schematic tweaks, particularly playing uh, so many different guys uh, in Watt's edge position as opposed to just putting Malik Reed in there and saying, okay, you're the next man up. Uh, we saw a lot of DeMarvin Leal. We saw a mm -hmm. lot, a lot of guys. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think we may see some more stuff this week uh, based on what we saw last week and uh, the New England – uh, you know, outside zone toss sweep game. Uh, Cleveland with its uh, polling and uh, the, the tremendous athleticism of that offensive line, I think they may have to dial something up other than the routine to stop that. But, but uh, they have the guys to do it. Yeah. No, I thought it was a really interesting wrinkle. I, I'm in favor of it. I don't think it was a knock on Reed. I just think Reed probably isn't a 90 to 100% snap count guy, especially against run-heavy teams. He's not... Yeah, he's not an edge setter, right? Yeah, he's a, I mean, he's, he's not... A, but he's a pass rush. Yeah, right. Yeah. He's a little bit lighter, of course. Um, obviously, I think the pass rush suffered, which you knew was going to happen minus Watt, but I don't think the scheme helped the pass rush. The goal was to stop the run, and again, they did that for three quarters. I think it's kind of fortuitous for them that working on this short week, that system works well against both these teams, you know, the Patriots mm -hmm. and the Browns. So the stuff you practiced last week still applies a couple days later. Like if they were playing the Bengals this week and, you know, three wide all day long, I don't want Cam and Liao and Wormley and those guys playing outside the tackles. But against the Browns and against the Patriots, I think it works out quite well. Yeah, it was uh, it was interesting stuff. And um, uh, I got to say, uh, your point is well taken about fourth quarter defense. Uh, it, it is hard to play uh, that many snaps, but they do have a short week. And uh, this Browns running game, which we're going to get to, is uh, a challenge uh, that uh, oh yeah, 
the, the, so much of it. Chubb's a great back. Kareem Hunt is a matchup nightmare. Mm-hmm. But boy, Cleveland uh, has an offensive line. Uh, let's uh, take a quick pause here and okay. uh, get to that on the other side. Before we do that, uh, I want to remind everyone that the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank reminds you to sack hunger, get food, volunteer, or donate at pittsburghfoodbank.org. Steelers preview on DVE is brought to you by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. We're going to be with you tonight until 8 o'clock, breaking down the Steelers at the Cleveland Browns tomorrow night in Ohio, right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Back to the Steelers preview show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to the preview. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight on your Steelers flagship. 102.5 DVE. Normally this is the time we would turn it over to Merrill Hodge, but uh, Merrill is hunting in a remote location with a certain just retired quarterback. So uh, (laughs) we gave him the night off, Matt. Uh, He'll have uh, tales to regale us with, I have no doubt, next week. I know, but we're, we're letting him off on Jadavian Clowney week. That was always my favorite thing, talking to Merrill the last couple of years. Just bring up Clowney, and he just goes on and on about how... Dang, you know what? You know, you get some sacks. You know what? But what happens on the other 18... You know, you get two sacks. What happens on the other 60 defensive snaps? Some of them does something stupid. Some of them's a penalty. Some of them's a mental mistake. <laughs> Always hit this helmet because he screwed yeah. up. You know. <laughs> yeah. right. No clowning to worry about this week, nope. but uh, plenty uh, of uh, other guys to uh, get to Steelers' attention. Uh, before we get there, I want to remind everybody uh, that tomorrow night's game is going to be streamed on Amazon Prime Video. It'll also be broadcast over the air in Pittsburgh, excuse me, in the Pittsburgh market on WPXI. Fans can visit Amazon.com slash TNF for info on how they can watch across their devices on Amazon Prime anywhere in the country. Browns had some injury concerns at the outset of this week, but uh, things are looking up other than not having Jadavion Clowney and not having Jesse James uh, available and not having Chase Winowich, uh, Mm -hmm. the Thomas Jefferson product. Uh, According to Mary Kay Cabot of Cleveland.com, Miles Garrett, Joel Batonio, and Jack Conklin are all set to face the Steelers. Conklin will be making his uh, 2022 season debut here in uh, week three. Uh, Garrett, one sack shy of breaking Clay Matthews' franchise record of 62 for a career. And of course, uh, Jack Conklin, uh, the former all pro out of Michigan state. Yeah, sure. Let's start with Nick Chubb, Matt. And the the context I want to talk about with Nick Chubb is this, I'm going to go for the real low hanging fruit here. Jim Brown remembered as a pretty good running back. Correct. Correct. I actually, uh, he had an office next to me for a week before I was let go of the brownies. Career average 5.2 yards a carry Nick Chubb. Career average, 5.3 yards a carry. 
Oh, so he's better than Jim Brown. That's pretty good. Well, statistically, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not going to say he's better than Jim Brown, but he might be better, as you mentioned already tonight. He might be better than anybody else that's playing right now. I think so as a ball carrier. He's not much of a force in the passing game. He's not McCaffrey or Kamara or not even Najee or Le'Veon Bell, one of those types. You can dump it to him. He can catch it. But he's a tremendous ball carrier. He is compact. Yeah. He is powerful. He has elite balance. He has the ability to hit the home run if you get him a crease. You know, that's where that big average comes from. Rarely stopped for losses. Um, he is awfully difficult to tackle. His agility is top-notch. I mean, he's a wonderful football player. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of Derrick Henry in that if you get to him early, you chance. can get him on the ground. Yeah, But if he gets to that second level, he's going to maybe going to get to the third, and maybe he's going to get to the end zone. You cannot let this guy get ahead of steam going. Yeah, I mean, he's a different type of back than Henry, but you're 100% right. Once he gets rolling, he is a real handful for defensive backs to get on the ground. He's a quicker accelerator than Henry. Um, but, boy, uh, those are the two best ball carriers to me in, in the last couple of years. And the Kareem Hunt dude isn't too bad either. He might be the best backup in the league. Sounds like a pretty simple plan. Well, yeah, just get to him before he gets cranking, uh, before he oh, gets easy rolling. Enough. Right, yeah. But uh, this offensive line, I'm just checking my notes. Uh, I watched uh, the Browns-Panthers game uh, after week one, and I saw a little bit of the Jets game, uh, Cleveland's most recent game. And I write down uh, center Ethan Pochick pulls a lot. Left tackle Jedrick Wills pulls a lot. Uh, left guard Joel Batonio pulls a lot. <laughs> These guys pull the center, and, and they have for a long time in Cleveland. But uh, it reminds me of Dermonte Dawson, the way they, they used that guy. Uh, you mentioned not having Merrill a minute ago. Uh, he was telling uh, us uh, or telling me a story. No, Craig Wolfley was telling me a Merrill story before the game Sunday when Merrill went to Chicago at the end of his career, he asked uh, the Bears powers to be why they didn't pull their center. And, and they laughed at him. Well, nobody does that. And Merrill's like, well, Damani Dawson does. And uh, number 55 for the Browns does too. This guy, you know, they had uh, JC Treader last year. Right. And then they were, they were supposed to have Nick Harris this year uh, draft pick in 2020. And he suffered a knee injury and ends up on IR. And Ethan, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Posick. Posick. Yeah. Guy is a football player, man. He, he is the epitome of a move offensive lineman. He's done well this year, and I was a little shocked. I thought center would be a major weakness for them because really they're on their third guy, give or take. I mean, I know they let Treader walk because um, Posick's kind of struggled a little bit. He's a taller center. I think he's like 6'5". He's not gigantic, but they use him well, to use, to your point. Getting him yeah, on five the years move. in Seattle before yeah. he got to clear, and he was a he was a sometime starter in Seattle, right? It, uh, you, you know, a contributor, a contributor. But now he's, yeah, he's fitting right in here with with Cleveland. Yeah, and when he came in the league, the knock on him was: is he a tackle? Is he a guard? He kind of looks like a tackle. Is he a center? And settled in its center, and is really settling in on this scheme. Um, Callahan is their offensive court or their their O line coach. I'm pretty sure, and he's a great one. They have a great O line coach, and they get the most out of their guys. And kind of to your point, the thing about their O line that's rare is they have a, a definitely a rare combination of agility and movement skills, but also power. You know, Wyatt Teller is a really powerful guard. Batonio's a great combination of both. Uh, Wills was the ninth pick in the draft or whatever out of Bama. He has all the tools. 
your boy Conklin from Michigan State's a little stiffer, but he's been a tried and true right tackle, and you know maybe you get him all pro. Yeah, sure, sure, highly paid. You know, I mean, and uh, you know maybe his first game back's a little rusty, but it's a good line, that's for sure, top five line without question. So what what kind of challenges is that Steelers defense going to face specific to Cleveland? I'm I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Browns pull way more than the Bengals or the Patriots. I think so, and yeah. And maybe, maybe more than anybody the Steelers are going to see this year. Yeah, and I think that's hard on everybody, of course, but especially the linebackers. You know, the your gap responsibility changes. You know, I mean, if I have the C gap and the C gap just became the B gap and not exactly my specialty, but you get the idea, um, that gets hairy. They used to be a real heavy three tight end offense. Like, they led the league by a wide margin in, in three tight end sets last year. They're getting away from that. Um, their skill guys, I'm sure we'll get to. They're kind of looking for a fifth guy. There's four quality ones, and then after that, it gets a little hairy. But the run game is a massive challenge. Yeah, um, Amari Cooper in Cleveland this year. Uh, his uh, resume pretty much speaks for itself. The other wide receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Where did I he think go to school? Real, uh, he went to the University of Michigan. <laughs> uh, okay. And I got to be honest with you, uh, I saw him there, and I thought he was a little – uh, always a little bit more hype than uh, Mike uh, when he played in college, but he has come up uh, with uh, the ability to consistently make combat catches. I've been really impressed with what I've seen uh, in the early going this season. And then they've got David Belk uh, coming out of Purdue, uh, who's a complimentary player at the wide receiver position. I don't think any of us were in love with uh, David Bell. No. Uh, but the Browns like him. Uh, Jacoby Brissett is the, uh, you know, fill-in quarterback, I don't think he's going to kill you passing the ball. But, Matt, if if you let him get the running game going, then you let him get the play action going. And if he gets the play action going, then he can take his shots. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you on Peoples-Jones, and you'll probably like hearing this. There was a, a real stretch there that these Michigan guys were better testers, looked better than they actually played. Rashawn Gary, a lot of these guys. And then they've come to the league. Like and, yeah, <laughs> and they, they've come to the league – and Blossom, you know, he's a height, weight, speed yeah. guy. He goes up and gets it. He can get behind a defense. Cooper's the route runner. Um, those two and the Joku basically never leave the field for them. I mean, they're almost 90% snap type of guys along with the running back. And then they're looking for their fifth skill guy. You know, you mentioned Bell. He's a slow slot. That's why they liked him. They didn't really have a slot. Uh, Schwartz is a second-year player that runs like the wind but might be more of a track guy than a, a wide receiver. They'll throw in a second tight end, Bryant, who's okay. But they're kind of a, a, a skill guy short. Um, I like Brissett. Well, I really liked Brissett a couple years ago, but I think I've seen enough now to say he's just a really, really good backup borderline starter. He's not what Play I thought. Holder. Yeah, 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 not what I thought he could become. But his teammates adore him. He is tough. He is competitive. He is big and physical. Um, he's an okay runner, but not a great runner. He did some running with the Colts, but that's just because they had Phillip Rivers, who runs like me and you. Um, but you, you, you get the play action going. You get the run game going. Brissett is serviceable, if not better. And I thought he played extremely well last week. You know, Cam Hayward made an interesting point about uh, Brissett this week. He said, you better tackle the guy. He's a hard tackle, either, yeah. Either – when, when you're rushing the passer or if he gets out on the wing and he's carrying the ball. Hayward compared him to a young Ben Roethlisberger in, in terms of how tough it is to bring down a guy that big. I can see that. I mean, 
he's not real fleet of foot. He's not real light footed, but he is a big, thick, strong guy that, like I said, is super competitive and is not just going to slide and make it easy on you either. He's hard to bring to the ground. You know, the other thing the Browns still do, and this has been driving me crazy since that playoff game a couple of years ago, they will go with a three tight end set and then they will spread the field in like a five wide look. And they always get a linebacker on a receiver when they do that. They got one receiver on the field and a linebacker ends up on them and they get an E completion. Uh, you might remember that was the Jarvis Landry play yeah, yeah. when Robert Spillane tried to cover him. Uh, they keep breaking that out a couple, three times a game. I asked Terrell Austin, uh, the uh, Steelers defensive coordinator, about that this week. And he goes, yeah, you're going you're gonna to get that once in a while. But I'm not worried about that be- beating us. I'm worried about their run game beating us. Oh, I 100% agree. Like, Amari Cooper had a really good game. Everyone knows who he is, but I think he's a slightly overrated. I think Njoku could be a breakout guy. But all in all, their weapons don't come close to what Pittsburgh has in terms of pass catchers. And as good as Peoples-Jones is, he'd probably be the fourth here. You know, I mean, their run game is the bread and butter. They run the ball a high percentage of the time. You know, since Stefanski's been there, they're phenomenal at creating explosive plays from the the, the ground game. I mean, that's where the, the bread is buttered. I mentioned uh, that they lost to the Jets when they had a 13-point lead with 155 left in regulation. It would have been a 14-point lead, but they missed the extra point. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would have been a 7-point lead if Nick Chubb would have gone down on his last carry instead of going into the end zone. He had a first down. And if he would have just fallen down, then they take three knees and the game is over. But then who knew that they were going to miss the extra point, give up a home run touchdown, not recover an onside kick, yeah. and then give up another touchdown. Is that just something that happens and pros shake it off? Or is that uh, – Oh, I think that sticks with you. Is that a gut punch that uh, might have this team reeling a little bit? I think that's a, as hard a loss as you can have in this league. And, I mean, I guess you can get that taste out of your mouth quick by playing on Thursday – but it's still got to be in the back of your mind. I mean, you mentioned the chain of events. There was like eight to ten things that had to happen in order for that loss to be the way it is, and they all fell the exact wrong way for the Browns. And the craziest stat I heard about that was since 2000, if there, there's been 201 teams that had a 13-point lead with between a minute and a half and two minutes to play in the game. They're 201 and zero. Before that one, I mean, 201 games in a row went exactly that way, and they all ended up in victories, except for the Browns a couple days ago. Yeah, uh, it's not shocking. It was you almost had to see it to believe it, and I, yeah. I watched it on tape, and I still don't believe it. Hey, gear up with uh, the latest sideline apparel, hats, or jerseys of your favorite players. Authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops. Those are located at Acrisure Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you until 8 o'clock tonight, getting you ready for the Steelers and the Browns tomorrow night in Cleveland. This is the Steelers preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE. Back to the Steelers preview show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you here on the preview tonight until 8 o'clock. No Merrill Hodge tonight. He is uh, hunting somewhere obscure and isolated and uh, somewhere where there is no access to Wi-Fi. So uh, we'll catch up with Merrill again a week from tomorrow night when we start getting you ready for the Steelers 
and the New York Jets. As for tomorrow night's game in Cleveland, that's going to be streamed live on Amazon Prime Video. It'll also be broadcast in the Pittsburgh market on WPXI. Fans can visit Amazon.com slash TNF for info on how they can watch across their devices on Amazon Prime anywhere in the country. Matt, I want to talk about the Browns defense a little bit and then maybe take a quick jaunt around the NFL. But before we go there, I wanted to make uh, one last observation or bounce one last point off of you from uh, Steelers defense coordinator Terrell Austin. He was asked this week about the success the Steelers had against the Browns' uh, vaunted running game last year. You know, the Steelers weren't a very good run defense team. Cleveland ran it as well as anybody. But in both of the meetings, the Browns were held under 100 yards as a team. And Austin pretty much attributed that to AFC North knowledge and, uh, you know, the rivalry aspect of it. Not so much Pittsburgh-Cleveland, but an AFC North game. You know, when we were getting ready for the Bengals game, the opener, uh, Gunnar Olszewski said that around the league, the AFC North is referred to as the hood. And you can expect... (laughs) You can expect a certain type of game, and I think we're going to get one of those. You think uh, that maybe works in the Steelers' favor a little bit that, uh, yeah, the Browns might be really good at running the ball, but maybe not against Pittsburgh? Yeah, I think there's something to that. I mean, I think the Steelers have traditionally played Lamar Jackson tougher than any other defense out there. There is some familiarity there. The, The Browns have a unique approach to offense. The Ravens have a very unique approach to offense, and playing them frequently I think is certainly an advantage. Um, that's all a wonderful theory, but Joe Mixon ripped him a new one last year. So I'm not sure. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's success. Yeah, yeah. Every rule, Two I out guess. of three is good. Uh, let's talk about that Cleveland defense before we get out of here. Uh, you mentioned the tackles, the defensive tackles, eh, just okay. I would uh, even no say worse cl- than that, to be honest. I think they're okay. one of the, I'm real down on that group. Do they make up for it by having outstanding run and hit linebackers in Anthony Walker and Jeremiah Owasu-Koromoa? Those guys cover a lot of ground, especially JOK. Um, He's about 215 pounds, though. I mean, if you get linemen on him, he struggles. Um, Dale Lawley, friend of the show, uh, referenced today that teams have been picking on him in coverage a little bit, which is not uncommon for young linebackers. See Bush, Devin. Um, and they don't protect those guys particularly well, but you're right. They cover a ton of ground on the second level, and they're versatile, and they're athletes. The secondary, as you mentioned, has great people, but it's playing awful. Yeah. Uh, in, in Carolina, it was Greg Newsom letting a guy free, letting a receiver run by him. He thought John Johnson was going to help him out at safety. Didn't happen. Home run touchdown. Against the Jets, it was Denzel Ward. He thought Grant Delpit was going to help him out. Didn't happen. Home run touchdown. Uh, Matt, the Browns reportedly had a defensive players only meeting this week, which I find almost as uh, attention getting as the Trubisky comments we (laughs) opened the show show with. Because my God, it's week three and you're having a team meeting players only meeting. How screwed up are they? Yeah. And who knows? I mean, if it's just communication stuff, which it seems like it is, maybe that gets corrected. I mean, a team like Washington last year had communication issues on the back end from week one to week 17, and it never got better. So it's a hard thing for us to comment on. I mean, if it's a quick fix within the room, if whoever the communicator is on the back end is just not doing his his job well enough, I don't know. Are they just not communicating the changes and the different things that they're going to be after? But like you said to start the show, Pittsburgh's nuts if they don't at least try to exploit that and drive the ball down the field. 
I mean, you got to test it, right? I yeah. mean, the, the first the first time it happened, I thought, ah, that's a, you know, an anomaly. Early uh, in the season, a, yeah. Some kind of communication miscue. They'll get that cleaned up. I, I couldn't believe when it happened again. And it was worse the second time than it was the first time. I, they're going to have to prove to me they can handle the, uh, the simple handling of a receiver and passing off of a receiver from a cornerback to a safety before I'm going to assume they can do it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, and, and people should test them time and time again. Make them, you know, change these guys. Max protect if you have to to make them cover longer. Um, you're right though; they have a lot of talent back there. You know, Ward's a highly paid early, early pick. I think Newsom has a really bright future. Delpit's highly talented. They've invested heavily in the secondary, but they need to have you know talk a little bit. Yeah, Delpit's a former second round pick. He's had some injury problems at mm-hmm. the outset of his career. Uh, John Johnson was pretty good. Uh, with the Rams, and uh, now he's in Cleveland. So uh, on paper, they should be very good. Matt, in about a minute and a half that we have remaining, do you anticipate another one of these slog kind of games that we've seen the last couple of weeks, and uh, what happens? Absolutely. Um, I've really had a hard time predicting the winner of this one. I hate betting on road teams in short weeks, but, you know, just throwing the word bet out there, I'm shocked that the spread is what it is. I thought the same thing last week, though. I think it's going to be a slugfest, and whoever gets a bounce or makes a play or two in their way gets the win in the end. I can't see their team, you know, running away with this thing. Um, I think it might uh, open up just a little bit. I think the Steelers are going to try to attack more downfield just because mm-hmm. they can't try to attack with less frequency. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's anything the they do is going to be an improvement. And unlike you, I got some doubts on that Steeler run defense. I didn't like the way the New okay. England game ended, and I'm a little concerned uh, as to whether or not they can handle these guys. Uh, we'll see. But I, I, I may take the over and then just sit back and kick myself for taking over 38. Steelers preview uh, on DVE is brought to you by Unibet. The only thing better than a Steelers win is a Steelers win that pays. Double down on your team with Unibet, proud partner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's going to do it for us tonight. Next week, we'll be back on our normal uh, back in our normal Thursday time slot seven to eight a week from tomorrow night as we get you ready for the Steelers and the New York Jets until then uh, for uh, Jacob Brett our man uh, behind the glass for Matt Williamson I'm Mike Persuda thanks for finding us uh, however you have found us until next time you've been listening to Steelers preview right here on your Steelers flagship 102.5 DVE good night everybody If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite most 
moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.